Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Before we get into today's conversation, I mentioned that I have gone back to school and I want to share with you about the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. Embedded in Evangel University, AGTS is a leading Pentecostal seminary that specializes in personalizing the deep spiritual truths found in the Word of God and applying them to practical ministry. AGTS is committed to making their programs as accessible and affordable as possible. So they've dropped tuition costs by more than 50% for all master's programs from $565 to now $250 per credit hour. And as a student in their Masters of Leadership and Ministry program, I can confidently say that God is using the resources that I'm receiving at AGTS to work in and through my work for the kingdom of God. So if God is calling you to take your ministry to the next level, visit agts.edu to learn how the experienced scholars at AGTS can equip and empower you for your Christ-centered service. How do we exchange hurt for hope? Well, Cheryl Giesbrecht Turner, author of her new book, Unraveling the Lie Knot, understands all too well the sense of entanglement, disappointment, and frustration that comes when dealing with pain and loss. As a recovered drug addict, stage four cancer survivor, and former widow, Cheryl fought anxiety, depression, and despair for years before understanding her identity in Christ. She's here today to help us know how to untangle knots of deception, to discover the lies behind our fears, and dispel depression and defeat the effects of trauma. Well, welcome, Cheryl. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Thank you, Angela. It's great to be here. We were chatting a little bit prior, just some things the Lord has put on your heart, different ways you are making your life matter for the kingdom. And you've had so many ways that God has been using you. You hold a doctorate in theology. You've written hundreds of articles and columns. You've worked with multiple organizations and churches, bringing freedom literally to countless men and women. Your story, however, includes painful seasons. And we mentioned a little bit about that in the bio. So Cheryl, invite us into your story and how have you discovered miracles in the messiness of life? Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for asking. So as a teenager, I developed some coping skills that weren't really healthy. Mm. I became a drug addict at age 11 and 12 started really using and with all the drugs and alcohol and all the things that go along with that lifestyle developed some illegal and immoral ways of, of supporting myself. Mm. Um, Unbeknownst to me, it, it, all of these coping skills were because I experienced a traumatic event when I was between five and six years old, Mm. I was bullied. And I did not know how to cope with what to do. You know, how, what some moms say, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never harm you. Mm-hmm. And I found out as my parents moved me around a lot when I was in elementary school and junior high. And then at the beginning of high school, I found out that my ways of coping were not very effective mm-hmm. because when I did drugs, it, 
it just made me feel worse about myself. I just felt like, well, no one accepted me in my school, in my neighborhood, even in my church. And I did not accept myself because of the ways that I was trying to survive. Mm. It's so insightful to just find out early on coping skills and we all have them. Some are healthy, some are not. So how long did that season last for you, Cheryl? Where was a turning point for you in your life? It lasted about four years of the drugs and alcohol. It it turned out that my husband, my parents had a a connection at a Christian camp nearby our home and they made arrangements for me to be at the camp for the summer. And it was at that camp that the people that knew that I was coming, they knew that I was a drug addict, that I was a problem child, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they, they decided even prior to my arrival that they would love me. So I get to the camp, I'm taking all my ways of survival, my drugs, my alcohol, everything, my anger issues, and all of all the things that go along with all of it, it it just turned out that they decided that they would love me and they spoke God's word over me. I didn't know it at the time, Hmm. when they said the phrase love covers a multitude of sins, that they were actually quoting first Peter four, eight. Wow. So it was day one. Had you been raised in a Christian home? Yes, I'd been raised in a Christian home, but I'd never heard that Bible verse before. And so um, day one, that happened when I was told to do my chores, like move logs around the campfire, rake the pine needles. And I got upset. I cussed them out, went out to do drugs in the woods or whatever. And I heard the phrase again. And then same thing happened. Any chore that I did, any staff person And I thought these people have got to be on drugs. Little did I know that they were choosing to love me through God's love, showing mercy and grace. So it was at the end of two weeks, being literally loved to Jesus by people that didn't see my outward appearance. They didn't tell me to go, go to anger management counseling, but they literally loved me to the Lord because it was at the end of two weeks that I realized that the, the, what I was doing was I was trying to push this love away. And I didn't have to clean up my act that it was God's love that was going to cover the multitude of my sins. And so I accepted Jesus as my savior. I was 17. Mm. And so that was the beginning of my Christian walk. Wow. It's so powerful. The power of love. It's so powerful, isn't it? Love drives out fear to know that Christ loved us before we even loved him. And I just uh, thank you for sharing that part of your story. Although it's painful, it's such a demonstration of the love of God and the grace of God and what he has done in your life. So Cheryl, walk us through these seasons where you're a cancer survivor. Thank God uh, for what he's done in your life and also a widow. So there's a lot that you have to share with us about resilience, perseverance, endurance, depending on the grace of God. Walk us through some of the the life lessons you've learned from these seasons. So when I received Jesus as my savior, as a teenager, I went on to Bible school. I, I got a real desire for knowing God's word, but it wasn't until about 10 to 15 years after that, that I really understood what it meant to receive Jesus as my Lord. I mean, I was doing all, I was going through all the motions But literally, I could not forgive myself for getting involved in drugs as a young teenager. And I was really getting beat up by the enemy's lies. So why that's important is because as a pastor's wife, 
-hmm. I was looking to wear all the right outfits, teach the right Bible studies, praying the right prayers, going on, keeping my body in shape, you know, so that I would be acceptable to myself and my husband. But even that didn't help. I did not know that my identity in Christ was what, how God saw me. I didn't see myself as loved, accepted, and secure, and significant, and important, that God had a plan for me, even for my past. Mm. So understanding that really made a difference, but it was at that time that I really began to speak about identity in Christ. I was traveling throughout the nation and writing a lot of articles and hadn't even published my first book yet, but that's when I found a lump and that lump turned out it was underneath my left eye. It was non-Hodgkin stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in five places in my body, in my bone marrow. So what truly what the enemy meant for evil in finding the lump, it turned out that obviously I had to go through some more lessons, the lessons that I call lymphoma lessons. Mm. I learned how to study the names of God. And that was the summer of 2004 that I uh, learned how to study, how to dig deep, even though I'd gone through a Bible degree and taught a lot of Bible studies, I still felt like the Lord was saying to me, Cheryl, I have so much more for you. Are you willing? At that time, I had to give up all my ministries, my writing, all the things that I thought were important, and they were, but learning the lessons of lymphoma and letting the church, the body of Christ, really love on me through that time, that was really hard because, you know, you're a pastor's wife, and it was really hard to let people come into my home to bring meals, to serve us as a family, but also to even clean my house because I had a pretty clean house, but letting people into those some of those areas was really hard for me. So then it was about five years later that I never thought I'd ever experience letting go of my college sweetheart. We've Mm. been married for 28 years and he was killed in an accident. And I, I was the first one on the scene to find him. And that's what was just devastating because it really was my worst nightmare. I mean, the cancer and the drugs and all the things before this, had led up to this point that I thought, um, how do you, how do you get through that? Mm. You don't really plan it. And of course, if God would have said, Cheryl, you know, Paul was ordained to be promoted to heaven on October 17th, 2009, if God would have said, you know, be ready for this, Mm. would I have said, okay, I'll be ready. No, you just, Mm. you just take a deep breath and you go to your word, go to God's word. And that really is, I just taught for the women's retreat, Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. But as I was literally, he was airlifted by helicopter to a trauma unit. And I had a two hour drive by myself in my vehicle to find out if he was going to be alive or I knew his injuries were traumatic, life-threatening because obviously he had to be airlifted because that's how bad they were. But, um, but God's word didn't change. And so as I was driving, I just taught Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, for I know the plans I have for you plans to give you of hope and a future plans, not to harm you, but to prosper you. So as you know, as a Bible teacher yourself, had God's word changed? No. Had my circumstances changed? Absolutely. My world was turned upside down. 
But then the the months after that, um, that's a whole nother story about how I had to process. And literally I had post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. Yeah. and just through all of the, just the finding him and just sorting all of those emotions out. That was where the word of God was really how I had to land every day and choose to trust God's word and trust our Lord and not my feelings because I knew I couldn't trust my feelings. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm so heartbroken that you've been through so much trauma and pain and thank you for sharing and bringing us into your story. But I'm, I'm just so, I guess, just moved by your dependence on the word of God, because we do have real choices in these. We don't have choices of what happens to us in life. We do choose how we're going to walk through it. And I was just trying to imagine putting myself in your position, Cheryl. And I'm thinking too, as a pastor's wife, he was a pastor. So you mentioned earlier about identity in Christ. You have people coming into your home and you know, that's, and I went through the health crisis in the same around the same time you did 2001, 2003. And it is, it's very humbling and you feel vulnerable and you feel a loss of independence and so many different things you're wrestling with. And then to lose your husband is so tragic, so painful. And then on top of that, I'm thinking he was also a pastor. And as a pastor's wife, there's a sense of identity that comes with that as well. I'm on staff with my husband. And so my, that would change so many things. So besides just the loss of him, Cheryl, and all that that has meant for you, what did that shift with your identity with Christ? Was that another Mm. uh, layer of that? Or did, how Mm. did you just walk through that from that perspective? It was really tough. And I had wondered about, you know, the big question, will God bring me another husband? Hmm. Will God bring me another pastor? Or will God bring me something, someone different? And so you're really, that's a really great, great question. A question that as women, as leaders, as people in ministry, I, I was, I struggled with it because I really, at the point that he passed away, I had loved, I loved being a pastor's wife. And as you know, that's not the case of many who are pastor's wives. My husband and I, Pastor Paul and I, we did ministry together and we felt like, not that we were invincible, but that there were many things that I liked doing that he did not. We overlapped quite a bit and we, and we also blended but then there were some things that he literally didn't want to do that I would do. So it was very difficult for me to let go of it, of being a pastor's wife, not because I was like, I, I was, um, I don't know, egotistical about it, but it was something that I learned how to serve God's people. And it also helped me to serve him as my husband, not saying, you know, it was like I bowed down, but it, it was just like, it was my, place that I was comfortable, but I also had learned a lot that I wanted to share with other pastor's wives. So I let go of that, but it was because the Lord told me he's, and he didn't, I didn't hear an audible voice, but as I was journaling through the different small groups, I went to post-traumatic stress counseling with Norm Wright, who was one of my good friends. He was my grief counselor. And I went to him couple of times a week at first to, to stress, to get through the trauma and the stress of all of it. But then the other side of it was, I think 
just settling into whatever it was and trusting the Lord with Mm. wherever he would lead, I would follow. And not knowing where that meant I would be really was a step of trust. But isn't that the same for everyone? I mean, losing your husband, it really is a tangible thing. Everybody knew it. Mm. But also I was working for a Christian radio station at the time. So, so many people in Bakersfield who knew me as I was the evening host. So I was able to have so many people praying me through it. So I knew that God would bring me through, but what did it look like? And you know how we do, we try and plan it out, but then the Lord's like, you know what, Cheryl, you need to just lay down your plans again Mm -hmm. and say, whatever God wants, that's what I want. Wow. That's been a theme then of your life. These are my plans. I'm moving forward. We have a major disruption of some kind, in your case, some very deep traumas. And yet you've been able to lay down your plans, as you said, trust the word of God, deepen into him as opposed to pulling back from him, which can be our nature when we feel hurt and wounded. I know you have a brand new book and I want to talk about it, but part of the book is dealing with depression and and trauma. So we've been kind of talking about the trauma that you walk through, diagnosed with PTSD, seeing a counselor. I'm so glad that you're encouraging people to take the steps that we need. So for someone who's listening to you and they're realizing, you know what, I have been really traumatized through a situation. I think all of us, to some extent coming through COVID have some level of trauma and we need to be much more trauma informed, recognizing signs of mental illness of trauma. But for someone who's listening, Cheryl, take just a moment and say, listen, if you know that you, you have been through a trauma, it affects everything, our body, our physical body, our mind, our spirit, our soul. What is one encouragement you would have for someone to begin moving forward after a deep trauma? Pay attention to your emotions. Hmm. They are like a red warning light on your dashboard. And when that dashboard on our cars come on as women, often we want to just take a piece of masking tape and cover it up. Don't do that with your emotions. Pay attention and start trying to invite a time where you can sit down with the Lord and even just say, please, Lord, show me Hmm. what is going on. And if there's any area that I'm being deceived, that's a prayer that you can pray for yourself. And if you feel like, well, what does that mean? If you're deceived, you don't know it. Some of it has to do with even asking someone that you feel comfortable with or even going to your church. Um, Our church has free counseling and often churches do, but most of the counselors at our church and my church are trained. And so they will ask you some questions that can help you kind of drill down or let the Lord help you drill down. For me, my depression was when I was a young mom and that was the, it was the beginning of not only my hormones were out of whack because I was pregnant with my second child. I was chasing around a three-year-old But, um, but my husband, Paul, he would say things like, I wish you could figure out what was wrong with you. And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. well, that would be great. If I could, I would, but I really didn't know that the depression, my depression was like a red warning light on my dashboard. And so to just stop and ask the Lord what it is, um, that's one area that you can start to ask the Lord to reveal where that healing needs to start is reveal the areas of deception, because that's usually 
what I call a why not mm. is an area that has been traumatized or that you like for me, I didn't understand that that bullying when I was five, it was an area that I was traumatized. And as I grew up, I owned the labels that the girls in my ballet class, they mm. called me fat. So they called me uh, fatkins. My nickname or my maiden name was Atkins. So they called me some really mean names. I had those blue cat eye glasses. So they called me four eyes, cat eyes, all those things. So those labels though, as even a five and six year old, I began to own those. And I began to think of myself as, you know, what they called me until it wasn't until I learned about my identity in Christ that I understood that because God says I'm adopted, I'm no longer an addict. I'm secure and I'm his child. Amen. And those labels, I didn't have to own those anymore. I could come against those lies that I had even taken on as my identity, that mm-hmm. my new identity, that I was, an, I am a new creation in Christ. Amen. And you're touching so many things here that I know you've written about in this book. And it's so helpful to us. The book is unraveling the lie, not you just helped us to know a little bit right there what a lie knot is. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. What is a lie knot? And I want to know if you've always been a fighter, is this always been kind of this, you know, need to overcome and push through and get, and like you said, drill down, or is it just that when you have a situation like some of the ones that you've described, what helped you to move from being under the situation to overcoming that situation and really discovering the lie knot? Okay, great question. So a lie knot is a traumatic event that may or may not have been processed correctly. Okay. And what I mean by that is often we think something happened and it was so painful that we don't want to think about it anymore. We don't want to address it. However, we know that if we put something like that under the rug, it is going to resurrect itself because it's still something that the enemy will use to bring up the past because that's what he does. That's all he does is he he lies, he accuses, he steals. And, you know, John 10, 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that's what the enemy tried to do for me as a young teenager. I, he was trying to take me out by my choices. Mm -hmm. So once you know that about yourself, And this is a really important thing too. I now am able to go and work with drug addicts, Mm -hmm. women who have been prostitutes. I volunteer at our local rescue mission, women's shelter. Mm -hmm. And there are two different places that I get to teach classes for these ladies. But I tell them, you have to be totally brutally honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can say, say to yourself, I will never be able to trust myself with a drink of wine or beer, whatever, or smoking, whatever it is you smoke, because I have to be that brutally honest with myself and with God. And so a prayer that I teach them to pray is, dear Lord, please show me any area where I'm being deceived. Hmm. And I tell him only pray that prayer if you want God to answer you. Hmm. And I tell women's groups, men's groups, groups that I am able to speak to, that you can declare something if it's already true about you. If God tells you in the Bible that it's already true, you can declare it for yourself. It's not a name it and claim it theology, but what it is, 
is God's truth does not change. That's so right. James four, six, and seven says, submit your, yourself then to God. And what that means is humbly coming before God and saying, show me any way that I'm being deceived and then resist the devil. Resisting means literally you're walking one direction. You're turning to, to walk the opposite way. And if you're saying no to the devil and he will flee, he has to because truth and and lie cannot coexist. Darkness and light cannot coexist. Right. And the enemy hates truth. Mm. And Jesus is truth. Truth is a person. And so as you continue to invite Jesus into your situation and into that area of trauma, that's when he gently and, and very compassionately guides you into knowing more about it. Because there was no way as I started to process all my trauma, I, it took me, well, it took God um, about 18 months um, to, to take me into the place that I was able to receive more. And so you're thinking, you know, have you always been a fighter? Um, I wish I could say yes. But what I will say is I'm really good at getting back up because I have had issues. I have had places where I, I, Thank God that I've always come back to my identity in Christ. And I would be very humbled to say, I, I wish I could say I was following it doggedly from day one when I learned it. But I started to believe things that, oh, I can handle this like we all do. I can handle this or I can do this and it won't affect me. Or like you do when you're after, after let's, let's use diets because I'm always thinking that the scale is my, my enemy, but it's really not when you hold yourself accountable to that scale, it really does wonders for you to, to not put things in your mouth that you shouldn't be eating. Because, you know, if you were to say to yourself, okay, I lost, you know, a good 10, 15, 20 pounds. Now I can eat whatever I want. And you do that for three to four or five days. What's going to happen. You're going to gain it all back. Right. And the enemy has got you right where he wants you to be feeling defeated, feeling depressed, feeling discouraged, feeling like there's no hope until you get back up on the scale again. And you say, okay, I'm ready to be honest with myself. Mm -hmm. And that really is what we do when we have these truth encounters is we're saying to the Lord, I want you to tell me what's true about you Mm -hmm. and what's true about your word. And I, if you want truth, God will give it to you. He is so gentle and he's encouraging but he's also the truth teller. Mm, That's so good. Sherla, so much rich, so much insight in everything you just shared. You can see how great this book is unraveling the lie. Not so many of us live with lies and deception. We may not even know that, that we, we are, Uh, my husband and I were in counseling many, many years ago, and they talked about this and, you know, behavior is just the tip of the iceberg. But when you drill down, you find a lie somewhere that we believed. And then that lie begins to cement that affects our relationships. It affects the way we see ourselves. Like you said, our identity in Christ. And then if, if, if that goes unchecked and unchallenged, it becomes a stronghold. A stronghold is really a false belief that has so been built up that now we're just not sure. And we could say, oh, the word says, renew your mind with the truth of God's word. And absolutely we do. 
But sometimes our minds have been so tricked by this deception that we're reading the word, we're hearing the word, but it's not taking root in the way that God wants it to. So Cheryl is helping us say, listen, go back to these places that you experienced this trauma where a lie may have set in. What did you become, come to believe about yourself, come to believe about God, you know, come to believe about others and, and let God unravel it in a good way. I think we think of unraveling as, oh my goodness, I'm coming unraveled, but you want something unraveled. That's a knot that is keeping you in knots, keeping you from the healthy relationships you're longing for, or from embracing the truth of God's word fully. And like you said, Cheryl, he's gentle, but he will tell us the truth. There is no falsehood in him. He can do nothing but tell the truth and the enemy can do nothing but lie. So one, the more, you know, God's word, which we talk about so much here on the podcast, listen, guys, the more you ground yourself in the word, the more you're able to recognize a lie from the truth, because you'll be able to say, wait a minute. That's not what God says about me. That's not how God talks. That's not how he sounds when he talks. That's not his character. You know, Cheryl's been telling us, look, I I was told on day one that I was loved, period. And so when we begin to understand God's character, invite the truth of his word into our life, we begin to experience the freedom from the lies that cause depression, cause anxiety, cause the fear you've seen and listened to Cheryl describing very traumatic experiences. And yet she's giving, she's teaching classes. She's talking to widows. She's mentoring. She's writing books. We, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimonies, and we love not our lives unto death. So she's surrendering and saying, okay, I'm going to lay my plans down again. So there's so many things, Cheryl, that you've shared with us um, that I know we can glean from some of the steps that you've helped us to exchanging the lies for God's truth. Let's not just stay stuck. We don't want to just stay mm-hmm. stuck in lies. And if you're not even sure if you're believing lies, sometimes it's been there so long, we don't even know it's a lie, but it's just a part of how we act. Uh-huh. As Cheryl said, ask the Lord, is there a lie I'm believing and reveal who he is, the truth about him will dispel all of that. So where can they go sure to get a copy of this book to know more about you? You have other resources as well, mm-hmm. untying the unraveling the lie knot and, and your other resources. Where do you want them to go to find you? They can go to Cheryl with an S H E R Y L G as in go T as in Turner.com. Cheryl G Turner.com. I'm putting that in my show notes too, guys. So make sure that you go and, and, and just check out all of her resources, especially if you feel like you've been through any kind of trauma, someone you loved has, um, or you just want to make sure that you are walking in the freedom and the wholeness that God has promised. We can move out of these cycles of depression, out of these cycles of fear, um, the effects of trauma that can keep us held bondage. And as I'm looking at this beautiful woman, I'm able to see her face. And if you're watching on YouTube, I don't see the effects of trauma. I see the grace of God that's on display on her life. And that's what we want. We want to move from, yes, this happened to me, but it is not my identity. Uh And, and the more we are grounded in who God is and what he says over us, believing that truth. I loved how you said, Cheryl, truth is a person. It is Jesus. So replacing whatever counterfeit 
truth or culture lie with the truth of God's word. So Cheryl's going to pray over us in just a moment, but Cheryl, I would love to ask you a question that I know you're going to actually share a scripture today in the truth that matters. But other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has most inspired you to make life matter, especially with all that you have gone through in your life? I think it's Hagar because oh, she wow. is the one who um, she said, I have seen the one who sees me. Mm-hmm. Remember when she yeah. was their eyes yeah. servant, she was humiliated and belittled because while well, she had kind of brought it on herself, but mm-hmm. she ran away to the desert in the wilderness. She said to the Lord, I have seen the one who sees me because she couldn't run away from God. She couldn't run away mm-hmm. from herself. And I've thought of myself in her shoes many times, how I've tried to run, but there's no one that runs too far away from God because second Chronicles says the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support the heart who is completely his. And I love that about Hagar is she knew she had to go back. She went back to her master, her mistress, Mm -hmm. who her boss who was abusing her and God blessed her even in the midst of this um, situation that was really tough. And the scripture that I want to leave everyone with is um, it's got to be Romans 831, because when you're struggling or you're wondering how to come against lie, Romans 831 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm. And so I really encourage you to say, if God is for me, who can be against me. And I tell myself this all the time, because you know how much misinformation, disinformation there is all around us, or even our feelings. We think, you know, why did that person say that? Or what do they mean by that? You know, you just can't do that. You got to say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what these people think, what they say. I am, I'm working for him. I'm, he's got his eye on me. And I want my heart to be completely committed to him. And Mm -hmm. so we've got to fight for what we know is true. And so many of us were like, oh, well, I'm going to be spending some time in my devotions and that's all right. But when you're coming against a stronghold, it takes a lot of work. You've got to work at what you know is for you. God is for you. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the sword of the spirit. It's an offensive weapon. That's right. And we have to continue to fight with the weapons of warfare and to declare what's already true about us and to not let the enemy win. And we've got to continue to just say it is a battle. We know who's already won the victory, but the battle is real and it's waging all around us. And so if God is for you, who can be against you? Mm, so good, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And we know that the answer to that is yes, God is for us. So there's a truth that, that overcomes those lies that we believe, well, God must not love me, loves everybody else, but me, or maybe he doesn't have a plan for me. Maybe Jeremiah 29, 11 is for everybody else, but me, the enemy loves to come in and lie and, and distort the truth of God's word. So just even that one scripture to say, God is for me. So whatever comes my way, I hold it in the light of the truth that God is for me. And that changes everything. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. It's been such a joy to get to know you a little bit better here on the podcast and unraveling the lie knot is her new book. 
and uh, so many resources that she has to offer. I'm going to put it in my show notes, but again, her website, if you want to know more about her, Cheryl gt.com. That is S H E R Y L Cheryl G t.com. And uh, Cheryl Giesbrecht Turner, such a blessing to have you here with us. Cheryl, would you pray over our listeners as we close our time together today? Yes, I'd love to. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we first off, thank you for uh, your son, Jesus, who uh, made our relationship with you possible. Lord, you brought restoration into his, to us through the sacrifice of his precious blood. Thank you, Father, for arranging this opportunity for us because you knew that we were hopeless and lost without him. So we thank you for this time that we've had and we pray for anyone, any woman, man, child, teenager who needs to know that you love them tonight or today. Lord, thank you that you are showing them that through even the opportunity that they've had to run across this program And we thank you, Lord, that you have told them tonight that I am for you. I love you. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, for to remind us that there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper as we stand on your truth, Lord Jesus. We thank you for showing us that your word is truth. It is life. It is light. It is our living water. It is our daily bread. And we thank you, Lord, that we can look forward to wanting more. Lord, thank you for helping us to want more as we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Lord, we praise you and we bless you. We pray for that wounded soul tonight who needs encouragement, that your word is a remedy, that you tell us that in this world, we will have tribulation, but take courage because you have overcome the world. We thank you, Lord, that in you, we have peace. And we praise you and bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.